When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Talking Tennis. Last ball drops at the Australian Open. Just finished our first Wednesday of the fortnight. We've seen some pretty exciting matches. One in particular with Novak Djokovic and Alexei Popperin has just finished. And I'm with Damien Kust to wrap the whole thing up. Damien, how you doing? Hey, uh, I mean the Wednesday technically hasn't finished, but just like yesterday, we are doing it after the last match on Rod Laver Arena, but still we have Sakari and uh, Avanesian going on. Maybe just like yesterday during the show, the result will come in. If not, well, tough luck for the Greek and the Russian. Fair. Yeah, technically not finished. The last ball has dropped on Rod Laver though, right? I, I guess that's the yes. definition, I suppose. Um yeah. Where do we start, David? Do we start with the match that's just appeared in front of us? I think that makes the most sense. That's what um, we usually do, yeah. Yeah, cards on the table. So I, I caught the last set there. I know the story of the match. Essentially, um, there was a lot of ups and downs for Novak, right? He he kind of was unengaged and then he was engaged. And he had to lock in in the third set in particular when I think Popperin had like four set points. Um, but you, do you want to give us a bit of a fleshing out of the, the match, Damien? Yeah, I think generally, like, Djokovic has just been under the weather. Uh, I was doing the commentary for um, Djokovic-Prismic in the opening round. 
and like said something along the lines of this is the first time he's looking 36 physically, really. Well, of course, he's had some minor deeps recently. John, don't show my tweets when I'm talking, please. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking, but it, it, it does make me a little uncomfortable. But uh, well, anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say is that um, jo- when Djokovic was playing Prismic, it was already clear that he's not exactly at his strongest physically. Prismic was, of course, sort of yeah, m- matching him or even actually beating him in that sort of category there. But that was fine. That was a different intensity as well. Here against Popirin, this is a matchup that he should be enjoying a lot more. Um, you know, play working out sort of the way to beat someone like Popperin. No backhand, big weapons, linear power. This is something he does all the time. He has excellent records against all of these guys, like I don't know, Fritz, Tsitsipas, Rublev, and the likes. And um, yeah, I think it's it's just pretty clear that he has a cold. He was blowing his nose, and basically, I I I think that's really the main story. So that that third set comeback felt extra crucial. Because if Popperin goes to one up, given that, well, maybe he was struggling with an injury himself, but like, you know, it would have been a real chance. It wouldn't have been like, I don't know, Lashlo Jerry goes two sets to love up on, on Djokovic at the US Open, but you still feel like Djokovic can just pull away any second. Here, uh, of course, there was instantly some pressure on Popperin in the fourth set. Uh, he didn't manage to hold on. But uh, yeah, that comeback might as well prove very important when we're talking about Djokovic claiming the title or making the final or making the semis in some time. I think uh, the, the cold or whatever, he has some, some viral infection. It probably won't last, you know, the whole fortnight. So mm. it's mostly about getting through and getting back in, in better shape. I do think that in the next round, he will need his energy levels to be pretty high. I mean, yeah. I guess that you expect the rallies to be like 30 shots every game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this might actually turn out to be a pretty big test of like where he will be physically and also just um, whether he can go on for, let's say, four hours and a half because we know Thomas Martinez are very can. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually, yeah, it's interesting you say all that because given what we've seen so far, Echeverri is not the greatest third round for him in a way. You prefer, yeah. as a Novak fan, for it not to be so physical. So it will be quite interesting to see what happens. Again, if he's a little under the weather, he probably still comes through. But it could be a scrap. It could be really difficult. So if that's the case and that just keeps going on, it's no there's no guarantee he comes out the other side of that and, and lifts the title. So this will be quite an important round for him to just conserve his energy levels at the very least, as you say, showing signs of his age. So would be good to wrap it up in fairly comfortable fashion. And moving on, I'm just moving down the draw. The next... Match I'm seeing in the third round is Manorino Shelton. Manorino coming through against Jean Munar in five sets, and Shelton able to come through against O'Connell in uh, four sets. Do we fancy Shelton or Manorino to face Djokovic in the fourth round? Do you think Shelton's going to get through there, Damien? Yeah, I mean, Manorino is such a tricky opponent. I don't know if the fact that Shelton is a lefty will actually help uh, help him quite a lot in this one. Yeah, uh, feels like there's definitely a big like A game, B game disparity in Shelton right now. Uh, today against O'Connell, he was just really shooting himself in the foot a ton. Uh, the the backhand in the third and fourth sets where it was just pretty much awful. Like there there were patches when he couldn't keep it in play at all. If if he faces Manarino, that's an issue. But at the same time, can he just you know hit his serve excellent all day and just blast through him? Maybe. I mean, lower down in the draw, have, you've got Fritz Gaston, where it's, it's like a similar matchup, I guess, in a way. And Fritz just loses four games, even though he was struggling with his opening rounds. So maybe not four games, but like that sort of scenario is also possible for Shelton, I think. It's it's a pretty tricky matchup because it's like there's no real way to compare it to anything else. 
Uh, yeah. Shelton hasn't played someone like Manarino because there's no opponents like Adrian Manarino. Uh, of course, I'm assuming that Shelton would have a better shot at Djokovic, provided that, again, we don't have some physical issues for Novak. But uh, that shot, of course, would still be pretty minor. But yeah, any any issues he had today, he pretty much led to that himself. Yeah, good summary there, because I, I do think Shelton's still got quite a few holes in his game and he can kind of turn up playing a different different way from, from day to day. But I still fancy him to get through just because he seems to amp himself up and, and find a way in, in a lot of these big matches, even if it is Manorino. I, I do think Manorino... The the lefty serve in particular, he's got the most the most wicked one on the tour. I think it just goes so far out that you know makes a big difference if you're a lefty. So Shelton should be a little more comfortable in that matchup than than some than some. So I I do think he's got a good chance of getting through there, and we'll get a rematch of the U.S. Open semi final. And you touched on the Taylor Fritz match with Gaston. He was able to get through uh, six love, six three, six one, and he's against Fabian Marotzan, which I assume, Damien, you're pretty pumped about. That that could be an upset on the cards, maybe. Yeah, I feel very confident about Fabi having his chances there. Uh, you know, he he won in three sets to the to the against Serundolo, which I think is already a pretty good step for him. Uh, like basically just just getting through a clean match with that uh, with that sort of uh, play style and with generally being not the most consistent player in the world, that's that's really good for him. I think um, definitely that section was pretty open because of the seeds being weak there. Musetti is already out. Uh, Tsitsipas was there. Uh, he was. We know he has some frailties. As the same with Fritz. Uh, the one more seed I'm missing in that section, but anyway, uh, that's the oh Serundolo, yeah, and Marosan already eliminated him. So from from the very beginning of the event, it was like Marosan Chilic that opening round. Whoever wins this will have a brilliant chance to go deep. And uh, yeah, I think Marosan is like at least a 50-50 with Fritz, honestly, in the next round. So um, I'm I'm excited to see that match. Uh, definitely, Fritz is, is, has rarely faced players like this who will just rush him on every ground stroke and. Is he gonna hold up? I don't know. I mean, athleticism is not exactly the the strong suit of Fritz. So, like playing all these reactive shots that he's gonna have to come up with, it could be an issue. And uh, yeah, definitely, as you said, I'm very excited for it. For sure, it could be an issue. Quite exciting to see if Marotshan can get to the fourth round there, where he will meet Luka Van Ash or Stefano Sitsipas. A little note on Sitsipas. I know, um, and uh, by the way, if you've not seen it at home, watch the the over-the-net shot from Sitsabas in the first round against Bergs. He came through a pretty tough test in Thompson today, and he held up. I, I think everybody's kind of got him off of the radar. They're kind of expecting him to play usual Steph stuff um, for the mo- most of 2023. But then it's easy to forget he does tend to take care of business against the lower-ranked players. He does tend to do well in Australia, obviously made the final last year has a pretty big Greek contingent in Melbourne. I do actually think he's got a pretty good chance of getting to the quarters again, given he's got Luca Van Ash next, who probably is a bit of an incomplete player on the ATP Tour. Uh, I don't think that's harsh to say. And probably Fritz or Marotshan, either way, I would fancy his chances against either of them. Am I overrating, Steph, Damien? It's nowhere near as harsh as what I've said about Luca in the past. I think it's really just a pretty safe passage for Tsitsipas to the forefront now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think the problem with Tsitsipas is that even if we're, if we're sort of yeah, sleeping on him, he can't win his quarterfinal. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's a real issue. Of course, provided Djokovic doesn't uh, get out, exit the event earlier. So I think that's why we're mostly sleeping on him. That's why no one is treating him seriously. Uh, but no one ever really like said that he ha- can't make the quarters. I think, yeah, maybe even Maroshan would have a 
pretty better shot against him than than um, than Fritz, but of course, let's see them get there first. But yeah, I think for for Tsitsipas today, it was just another one of these like very professional showings, like against Berks, yeah. really. The only difference was that Zizou couldn't compete physically after the first set, whereas Jordan Thompson could. And of course, it was pretty tough in the third as well. Really crucial to take that one. But like, there's nothing really that I can praise Stefanus for, and there's nothing that I can criticize him for. Like, he just did his job. You know, he got out there, he played at a very solid professional level, and and that's, that's really all you need to do in the first few rounds if you're a player of that quality. So, um, yeah, I, I still don't believe that he could beat Djokovic, but maybe yeah. it's not going to be Djokovic there. I mean, who who knows? At this who stage. knows? Who knows exactly? Um, moving on to the next section, I think probably a little more exciting than Steph and his uh, colleagues there. I'm excited to see Can Yannick bring it in one of the biggest matches um, he'll get at the Australian Open. He's not quite there yet. You know, he's beaten Van der Zandt fairly easily. Jesper de Jong, exactly the same, 6-2, 6-2, He's up against Baez next. He's still not got the test, I guess, we, we, we'd like to see from him. Um, but a potential fourth-round opponent, Damien, that I thought you might be a little excited about. If Thomas Machak can get through against Karen Kachanov, that would be a bit of an exciting fourth-round, perhaps. I know Machak's been somebody that's long been on your radar. He's a bit of a hit-and-misser, kind of like Marotsan, right? I'm sure you can tell me the differences and the nuances in their games. Um, but he's against Karen Kachanov, who, of course, is, is no longer a dark horse at the slams. I think most people expect him to, to beat the players he should beat. So probably Kachanov gets through there. He came through against Kovacevic, the American qualifier, um, and Machak beat Tiafo, uh, which is a pretty big deal in straight sets, I would say. Yeah, Machak played, played like the best match of his life, honestly, <laughs> almost. I mean, maybe the third set he had to sort of rely on Frances choking it a bit in the 5 3 game. But yeah, I mean, he was unbelievable. Um, the hand skills are just insane, obviously, the way he was responding to the Tiafo serve. Like, literally, the first serve in patches would just come back at the same speed that the serve was played on every uh-huh. single point. There was this one break point. Uh, there, was this, there was this one break in the second set where he was love 40 down and then with the next five points, five winners, I think two of them on the return instantly, most of them doing a lot of job on the return as well, uh, doing a lot of work on the return as well. Um, yeah, the, the, the way he played at the net. Of course, he's also a player yeah, who takes time away, definitely much less, um, you know, balls to the wall than Marojan, I would say. But uh, yeah, he, he he enjoys when it's like low, fast, uh, low bouncing, fast. Of course, indoors is, is probably his best. But Australian Open, he's played very well at in the past as well. He's won, I think, around both previous editions. Now, right now, he he makes it a step further. And yeah, I think he's like a real threat to catch on with. Obviously, like a 50-50 match again. Uh, Kara just sort of keeps progressing. No one talks about him, and then he makes a major semi. Right? That's what yeah. he does. I don't think it's really possible here with Sinner in the same section of the draw. But uh, it, it wouldn't be shocking to see him keep going. I think today against Kova, he was also like in real trouble if only Alex was able to take his chances, really. Like, especially the first set. 4-1, 40-15 up. Kovacevic was. Yeah, he goes down love two then. And, uh, you know, two sets, to, two sets to love down. And, of course, he wins the third. He's also 3-1 up in the fourth. So there were real chances there in, in patches. The block return especially was giving uh, Kachanov a lot of issues with that 
grip that he has on the forehand. I was actually sort of f- thinking that Kovacevic is going to just slice him to death in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, that's going to be the attempt. But actually, he wasn't trying to. Like he was playing a lot of his backhand topspin. And I guess he was just feeling it. And, and definitely in some in some patches, it looked amazing. He was sometimes, well, most of the time, actually out hitting Kachanov on the forehand side easily as well. So, so it was a good showing, but he couldn't take his chances. And it's like, yeah, a bit of a Kachanov under the radar run again. Um, Mahaj will need to deliver. I mean, recently, of course, he's been amazing. I think this is going to be, like, this is pretty much like his first ever opportunity to be playing on the main tour, like almost a whole year, even if he would suddenly yeah. stop winning. And he's probably not. I think he's actually going to hold up very okay. And uh, it's taken him a while, but uh, it doesn't really take like uh, a long, um, you know, a long patch of watching him. You can literally turn on his match for, in, for 15 minutes and the talent is just absolutely glaringly obvious. And yeah, Sinner bias, I don't think that's the test yet. Uh, today, mm-hmm. Sinner was just absurd. Um, yeah. I know that um, there were some uh, people just saying that maybe against Botic, he was a little off. I didn't watch that much, but I was always like, mm. I mean, he won in straights against Botic. He couldn't have been that off. Right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, today, I mean, he just absolutely demolished the Esped, just gave him no choice, no, no chance. Like after two all in the first, it was just straight up. Um, yeah, rolling to the third round. I didn't expect it to be that comfortable, maybe, but that was the kind of level that sort of tells you if Sinner doesn't make the semis here. He's probably done something horribly wrong. Like that, that's yeah. going to be a major disappointment for him. I was thinking about it even during the Popirin match with, for Djokovic. That, like, if Djokovic uh, goes out here, Sinner will be absolutely devastated not to make the final, even. Yeah. Like that, that's mm-hmm. where we are with Sinner right now. It's, it's absolutely disappointing for him to lose to anyone not named Djokovic, Alcaraz, maybe Medvedev in the final. Yeah. Anybody uh, in the top four, I agree. Um, top three, even. I, I would agree is definitely a disappointment to lose to. So uh, it will be exciting to see at least at that fourth round if he gets through it in the quarterfinal. I've got a close eye on him just to see if we get that juicy semi-final matchup that we're all looking for. And um, going forwards, somebody else who impressed for sure against Arnaldi. 6-3, 6-love, 6-3 to Alex de Menor. Maybe not quite the showing we would have expected from Al- Arnaldi. I was expecting fireworks there, actually. I thought we were going to get a, a really, really good match, which is a shame. Um, and he'll be against Kaboli, the Italian qualifier, who beat uh, Kotov. Again, that's quite a good win, because Kotov, to my eye, seems to have made a lot of improvements to his game, a bit of a bigger hitter now. Um, yeah, so Kaboli, de Menor could be exciting. What Did you see the Arnaldi match, Damien? Yeah, uh, it was rough. I was also expecting like a five-setter there. Uh, honestly, like even, even if I thought, we were talking about this yesterday with Mario, and Mario was just saying that, you know, they're both going to be like maybe not the most exciting play styles because they're just going to move well around the court and sort of try to outmaneuver each other. But I was actually under the impression that Arnaldi was going to try to be very proactive with that forehand shot making that he has added to his game. And he was, and in fact, maybe too much. <laughs> like he was just an unforced error machine. Of course, some of that was on on Alex, uh, just yeah, not giving him anything for free. But I, I did think that in especially in certain parts of the match, especially when he lost eleven games in a row, like there was certainly a moment when you could just maybe start thinking about it, and maybe I don't have to blast every ball. Maybe maybe I just can't. I cannot hit this guy off the court. Then he breaks back, and he actually does it with a ridiculous backhand when you're down the line. So. In some ways, it was also justified on a few, uh, in, you know, in a few moments. But no, yeah. I, uh, as a whole, of course, I'm very disappointed with Arnaldi's performance. I do think Kaboli is probably a pretty good rival for um, the minor. 
uh, Kobali beat Kotov, like basically just counter punching and you know the whole intensity energy he brings to the court. Yeah, I agree that Kotov has definitely found his footing at the ATP level. You know, just the fact that he has made a final semi in the quarterfinal in his last three events that was that was pretty massive. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think he uh, it was pretty clear from the beginning that like he the matchup dynamics really suit Kobali. It's exactly what he wants to be playing. He doesn't want to be like necessarily the person who is all the time dictating even though he can do it he definitely has the power to but uh he, he probably likes sort of being a little in the background than just turning defense into offense in a flash with one great shot and um i think against the minor that's probably not exactly what he wants to do he, it might look a bit like the arnaldi matchup where like kobody will be the one who is feeling okay i have to go for it and the minor is just sort of playing it back but yeah, as a whole, I think it was a very impressive performance from both guys, of course. Uh, just definitely disappointed with the Arnaldi de Minor matches. That was supposed to be one of the highlights today, and it was pretty awful. Jane says, do you think we're seeing Peak Demon right now? Um, yeah, more or less. I don't know what Peak Demon is. I think like one of his strengths is always being pretty good. Like He doesn't really have poor patches. He doesn't really have horrible performances just because his floor is that good. So I think part of that is just, yeah, it's it's Demon. Like, it, it's literally his game right now. I don't know if it's exactly, like, peak, because, yeah, that's that's not really the kind of player he is. But recently I had this um, interesting discussion with someone in a, in a group chat who basically said that Alex Demeanor is, like, kudos to him for maximizing the potential and, like, how he made the most out of his game. I don't think that's the most. Like, top 10, is it really the most? Like, that's kind of around where Alex Demeanor belongs at the moment. So yeah. even though generally I, I'm probably not that big on him or anything, I don't think he's going to win a slam in the future. I think top 10 is like very real, very normal for him. It, it, it's not something where he's like going beyond what he can do. So um, yeah, anything that's that, no, that's on a bit different note. But but yeah, we might be seeing Peak Demon right now. And I still think that against Rublev in the forefront, he would have a great chance. Yeah. But if he made it to the quarters, I totally agree. I mean, a matchup with Sinner is just, just not, yeah. he's not got a peak, as you say, higher than probably the, the outskirts of, or the within just within the top 10. I don't think he plays much better than that, just given his game style. Um, but yeah, he's, he's playing a bit as well as he could play, for sure. And uh, he would be against, as you say, Rublev or Korda. Korda coming through against Hallis, 646464. Tidied up his game after a pretty spotty first round. And Rublev defeating Eubanks fairly easily. I didn't think that was going to be anything but straight sets. No offence to Eubanks. Just not a great match up there. Um, yeah, Korda, Rublev in the third round. What do we think? I just, food for thought, Damien, think that Korda still doesn't come to the court with the same level week in, week out, match per match. I, I do think Rublev probably takes that one. Um, and again, he might be under a lot of people's radars. I don't think people are paying attention to Rublev as pair. And I think he's got a pretty good chance against Serbi Gorda, do you mean? Yeah, that's, that's like similar to Tsitsipas or Kachanov, though. Like, no one is paying attention to him because no one believes that he will beat Sinner. And then Djokovic, potentially. Like, that's that's really the only reason. Of course, he's a very he has a very good shot of making the quarters. I think I would still pick Demino right now over him. But that's that would be a very close match, obviously. And um, yeah, when it comes to, to Rublev, yeah, very easy against Eubanks. I honestly thought that maybe because of, because the Australia conditions really seem to like suit Eubanks' forehand. But if he's not 
really pushing Rublev here, then I think this year is going to be just as poor for him at the ATP level as I thought initially. And uh, yeah, Korda, I, I was pretty surprised to see him in straights. As you said, it's just not the same level every week, um, every match. Against Kopriva, like, that could have been a new low, being two sets to love up on a very mediocre hardcore player and then losing. That would have been just disastrous for Korda. Right now, yeah, you just don't really know what he's going to bring. Of course, he has the peak level to like trouble and potentially also beat Rublev. But do I really think it's going to happen for him over three sets? It's kind of unlikely. But um, yeah, it's still good for him, of course, to beat Alice and, and in such a clean uh, manner as well. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, moving on. I think that's our wrap on the men's side, so we can move swiftly over to the women's side. And straight off the bat, I've got Sabalenka defeating Brenda Fruvitova, the qualifier, 6-3-6-2. She'll be up against Lisa Serenko in the third round, who beat Masarova. Little interesting note on Serenko. We're talking about underrated players. Serenko is going under everybody's radar as a player who just, like, takes care of business against the players she should be taking care of. Like, she's rocketed up the rankings in the last year to around, well, she's 28th seed, around 28, 29, whatever she is in the world. And I think she's not getting enough credit. And part of that, to be fair, is probably that she doesn't have the peak to beat a player like Sabalenka. If she's playing well, she probably will lose this. But I do think she deserves a little bit of credit. I expected her to take care of business fairly easily against Masarova. She did. But probably the bigger story, of course, Sabalenka, emphatic against Fruvitova to an extent. In the first round, of course, against Seidel, maybe not the biggest um, statement, but 6-love, six 6-1, six still still massive. Do you fancy Sabalenka to go all the way, Damien? Will she have problems against Serenko? She definitely has the, the best draw out of the main contenders, given that she doesn't have to face Shranta Kotribakina in the semis, and also the, yeah, that's just a lack of contenders, really, in her draw. Maybe, like, Padosa right now in the forefront <laughs> looks like a fairly decent opponent. But, but yeah, I think against Brenda, it was pretty clear that this is unwinnable from the get-go. Uh, along with, sort of, as the match went on, Sabalenka just only kept adding to the pace, the weight of shot, the heaviness of her strokes. And yeah, there's just nothing at this stage that Brenda can really do about it. She hit like six winners in the entire match. One of them a brilliant backhand down the line, which made me think like, well, hmm, I wonder how many of these she hit this match and it was one. But uh, <laughs> no, of course, it was just it was just a little too early for Brenda. And I think um, regardless, really, of which 16-year-old that played today, you would have thrown against Sabalenka, maybe only Andreev would have had a shot. But for Brenda, it was it was definitely way too early. And Surenko, yeah, she's just so weird, you know. Uh, all the retirements, walkovers, uh, 50% return games won last year. Like, literally, Iga Świątek retained stats, even though, of course, her return isn't as good. But she's just so good in neutral rallies, I suppose. And also, you've got the worst uh, stats on serve in the top 50. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just such a big deal. And uh, I don't know, um, definitely when uh, when we are underrating her, as you said, and she's going under the radar, it's probably a similar case to the previous uh, players that we talked about. Like, no one just believes in her actually 
beating a top seed and 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 that that's really the end of the story right when she plays a top seed it's usually a blowout so i would yeah. expect the same against sabalenka who of course has the ability to maybe just throw in a stinker out of nowhere yeah i just don't fair. know if Surenko puts enough pressure on her to to do it really uh, sabalenka yeah. hasn't been yeah just, just hasn't been as inconsistent the past year or so so it seems pretty obvious to 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 to, to me that she will be like a massive favorite to win it and it would be like the shock of the tournament for sure if she lost yeah, yeah but fourth round you know you were saying Bedosa why not Anna Samova who's making her comeback you know she's she's doing pretty well Podoroska again maybe not the biggest win and actually Sam Sonova the same but if she had a fairly good win against Paula Bedosa, then maybe I'd start to be like, well, mm-hmm. there's maybe a little danger there. You know, Anisimova's highest level is pretty tough to, to live with. She doesn't tap into it all that often, I guess. But when she does, you know, she's got an amazing return game. It could be really, really difficult for Sabalenka. I, yeah, I've got my eyes on that, Damien. I'm not saying for sure that Bedosa gets through Anisimova. So have you got any alarm bells there? Or are you just like... I'm not either. I actually didn't remember who she was playing, honestly. <laughs> so uh, that that was basically the point. But yeah, but also sort of emerged as a pretty underrated threat, and I guess Anisimova as well. Just before the Australian Open, Anisimova won one game against Buskova. So uh, I don't really know where she is at the moment. Then you know whether she can play four good matches in a row because in whatever the event was that she played at the beginning of the season was it Auckland? I, well, one of these events. Anyway, she beat uh, Pavlyuchenkova. And then, yeah, the second match was just under an hour, one game against Buskova. So that's that's what I'm afraid of. But Osa certainly just emerged as a bit of a, an underrated threat as well, given she hasn't been playing since Wimbledon. And um, yeah, you just never really know. But uh, last year, I remember that uh, even though she was only able to play one slam and she actually even retired in the second round there to Kostiuk at Wimbledon, there were moments when she was playing like top 10 tennis and especially the European clay season. Maybe you can uh, and put in Charleston there as well. But um, there was also that sunshine double when she was just coming back and she draws Rybakina twice in the in round three and she actually gives her a pretty good test. So that's like whole fe- end of February to, to Ron Garros basically, to Rome where she got injured. That was a really good stretch for her. So it's not like she didn't have the level last year. She was, you know, a fully healthy, but also last year probably ends in the top 15 at least. Uh, it's just that we haven't really seen her in a while. But um, yeah, she, she emerges as like a very unexpected, but definitely a dangerous threat. And I guess in that way, I sort of just trust her a little more than Anisimova because of that Buskova loss and like, yeah whether she's going to play a few good matches in a row. But uh, yeah, both of them are probably what's going to be the toughest um, test for Sabalenka right now. Initially, I thought that maybe Pavlyuchenkova was going to make that round, which has been a tricky matchup for Arena in the past. But yeah, these two, certainly. That would be maybe even the toughest that Sabalenka can face until the semis. Potentially. But we will look at the potential quarterfinal at the moment because there are two... Well... There's one player in particular, um, but we'll, we'll just start with the third round between Krichikova and Storm Hunter. Krichikova coming through two fairly comfortable rounds. Korpach not going to pose that much of a threat at this stage in her career. And Hunter through to the third round of a slam for the first time in her career, beating Siegmund over three sets. You fancy Krichikova, despite the fact her form has been kind of up and down recently, to come through against Hunter. But it would be such a good win for Hunter to to, to get through this because I, I feel like her level is actually very exciting to watch. She's got a very stunning return game and um, she's she's got a lot of watchability. And Kajikova is vulnerable, so 
it could be an interesting matchup, especially if the Aussie crowd get a little bit involved too. Um, do you put as much stock in it, Damien? Do you, do you think we're underrating Krachikova at the moment? Well, we're definitely not talking about it too much. Um, you know, whoever was doing like a power rankings or a draw preview wouldn't really include that. Wouldn't really include her. She only had one warm up match before the Australian Open. She lost to Karinskaya, who's like one of the most informed players at the moment. So it definitely wasn't a a bad loss or anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm honestly not sure. Storm Hunter is a player I haven't really watched in singles in a while. Uh, back in the day, she used to play like a pretty pushy lefty style. Of course, she is phenomenal in the, in uh, in the doubles. So maybe she has improved something about her game. Maybe she's taking more risks now. But um, yeah, I, I I don't I'm not really sure what to think about it because you said Krejcikova has been a little. Like just mediocre, I guess she she descended yeah. to like a very mediocre level. Definitely nowhere near what we thought of her last um, January, last February, when she was like the dark horse for everything and basically wanted to be included in the um, in the uh, big four or, or you know however you want to call it. Uh, but obviously, uh, eventually, her results ended up not being really uh, ones that would justify that. Yeah. Yeah, she dropped off a little. Um, and with that said, I, I think the fourth round opponent that she probably will face is more likely to win against her. Mira yeah. Andriva coming through Bernarda Pera in the first round fairly easily. And then defeating Ons Jabour 6-love-6-2. Six, six, now, little statement about this. This was not much of a surprise to me, I'll be honest. Andriva, yeah. not the greatest matchup for Jabour. You know, if we're talking about junk balls... I think Andriva is probably one of the best and most varied defenders we're going to see on the tour for a while. And I, I just feel like Jabir couldn't really do much to hurt her. Um, it, it was always going to be a bit of an uphill battle, particularly on a hard court where those kind of junk balls and slices and stuff just have a little bit less of an effect. So the fact that Andriva won so comfortably isn't much of a statement, to be honest. But I do still fancy our, our form. Um, I think if she comes up against Kritikva, she's against Paddy, by the way, in the third round, of course, uh, one-hander, much more adept on clay, so I would fancy Andriva to get through. I think she beats Kritikva or Hunter, so I, I imagine Andriva is going to be Sabalenka's quarterfinal opponent. Yeah, it's a bit of a dream draw to the quarters. Uh, she was basically like the favourite for me as well against Ons. I don't think we can really like go into the matchup there though, because that match like just had such a massive difference between the two players that it didn't even allow it to go into like tactics or whatever. I mean, Ons was off from the get-go. Uh, Andreeva starts returning her, her second serve very aggressively. She's like hitting ridiculous winners, first set, second set, never really lets her have a shot. So yeah, I I, I think that it didn't really get into all these matchup dynamics that you were mentioning. Which uh, I don't know, you know, if, if that reflects well on on her form or not. But certainly, she has been very good since the start of the year. Only the one lost to Noshkova, I think, right in in Adelaide or whatever the event was. I always confuse them. And um, yeah, I I just think that she's definitely maybe Brisbane. Yeah, I think maybe Brisbane. But anyway, it doesn't matter, of course. Uh, yeah, she's going she's going to be an absolute threat here. Uh, we sort of knew that her rise will continue this year. Today probably also answered the question on whether she is the best 16-year-old in the world. And yeah. given she given she has Pari third round and fourth round Krejcikova or Hunter, it might sound tough. Krejcikova, yes, high seed. But then again, last time they played 6-6-2 six six and you could probably use some of the arguments that you made about the Jaber matchup being easy for Mira for Krejcikova as well. So, um, 
yeah, I, I do really expect her to make the quarters. I think at this stage, it would be disappointing for her not to. The big question is whether she will be able to beat Sabalenka because the last time they played, uh, she was overwhelmed like completely by her in that Madrid run. Of course, when it comes to Andreeva, she was like barely 16 back then. So yeah. uh, in her case, this makes a huge difference. But yeah, this is this is obviously a, a talent of you know, let's say generational level, and I'm not not surprised to see her beat Jabero. I uh, definitely had that you know penciled in in my bracket or whatever, and uh, this was just a lot more dominant that we expected. But some of that is also Ons just not delivering like whatsoever. It was under an hour, I think, even. Yeah generational talent good to hear it damien although it's not the biggest statement but it's quite early you know it's quite early in her career for for those sort of words so i like it damien it's good um i mean we rarely have 16 year old 16 year olds who are so complete and mature as well so um i I think it's obviously quite common on the wta tour for a 16 year old 15 year old to show up and be good because the physical difference between them and the and the top isn't as huge as it would be on the men's side. That's why you have all these age eligibility rules, which don't exist on the ATP because no one would be able to hang with the big boys <laughs> at 14 on yeah. the ATP or, 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 or at 15. But uh, yeah, I, I think like the, the that sort of complete package, we haven't really seen it in yeah. ev- like basically definitely not since I started following tennis. Amazing. Good words, Damien. With that said, okay, so that's what our quarterfinal looks like in the bottom quarter of the bottom half. Let's move on to the top quarter of the bottom half to finish. And we'll start off with Goff's route through the, the tournament so far, beating Dolla Hyde in the second round in a tie-breaking 6-2. Fairly comfortable in the end, although she was a little troubled. And she's going to be against Alicia Parks in the third round. I think many expected Fernandez to get through there, but Parks coming up with a straight sets performance against Fernandez. always thought it could have been 50-50. I do think that if Parks is playing well enough, there's a possible danger there. Um, you know, like she's got a peak that's good enough for a defensive player like like Goff. She can find ways through. Um, so I think people need to be paying attention to this one. It's not a given that Goff gets through if she's feeling a little off. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like the same sort of uh, probability that she that Parks will lose one six one six as the fact that she wins the match. Like yeah. literally, you, you never really know with her. She's two and two against top ten opponents, beating I think Sakari in Ostrava and also uh, Garcia in the Lyon final. Uh, she would have been in real trouble without this run because that Lyon title is dropping soon. They also took away a lot of the indoor swing from the WTA tour, so now we only have two events. At first, it was only one event. And then they added Cluj as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's really tricky for Parks because she was close to dropping off the tour, really, in the next few weeks. Now maybe she can hold on with these points. And, uh, yeah, she's, like, pretty much a, a similar player as to as Dolheit. So Dolheit was able to push Coco a lot. She was 6-5 up in the first and serving. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Parks beat her at all. However... It has to be said that the draw is really opening up for Coco because um, the the reason why we thought it was maybe the toughest for her out of the top four to get to the semis was basically the fact that in the third round she could have Fernandez, who I think this is a very bad loss for. I mean, I, I know that Parks has a ridiculous ceiling, but like if you're Leila and have been playing so well the past three or four months, 
you really expect to at least play Coco here. Like that, that that's at least your expectation. But in, in reality, you actually want to beat her or at least want to push her very close. Uh, it, it, it's really very disappointing that she wasn't able to get to that third round for her, I think, with the, with the form that she was in, as, as this is really, you know, as close to her peak, I think, as, as we have gotten since the US Open 2021. And um, yeah, when it comes to um, Coco, that was the big issue, round three, and also round four against Garcia or Osaka, which we're going to talk about in a while. But now both of these things are off the table. And if Parks cannot beat her, it's very likely that no one will until the semis. Yeah, big words, because of course our fourth round opponent would be Fretch or Zakharova. Zakharova, the qualifier, making our way through Yuvan and Putin Seva. Yuvan, 6-1-6-1, by the way. And uh, Fretch coming through against Garcia uh, in straight sets. That's a pretty bad loss for Garcia, although it's not the biggest surprise. I do think her, her form's been so up and down. It's, she just doesn't feel her game sometimes, you know, she... She has problems adjusting it as well. If it's off, um, obviously the infamous return stance, uh, sometimes getting the best of her occasionally. Um, yeah, there's really not a great loss for Garcia. And yeah, Fletcher Zakharova in the fourth round, there's, there's not really any chance golf loses to either of them. No offence to either of the players. Yeah, no offence to Magda Frank, but like just reading now, because of course I, I do see some Polish media stuff and like reading about how well she played. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's Magda Frank and this is a player who is really maximizing what she what she got from God, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kudos to her for that. Of course, she's a real hard worker. But if, if you see her losing to Garcia, yeah, it's a little vomit inducing even. Like just because for, for the event, it actually means that you know, the, the, the quality of the event drops pretty massively. Garcia yeah. is a player who can beat anyone on her day. I don't see Frank beating someone like Goff because she just has a lot to, a lot more regulation in her game than Garcia. Frank can definitely beat a very aggressive player who... Uh, I mean, she did a very fine job just moving Garcia as well. Some of that also being due to how Caro plays. Like, maybe if she slowed it down on a few occasions, maybe if she, maybe if she wasn't going after every turn... She actually could have beaten Frank on the ground as well. Like it, it's very possible, but you know it, we all know that that's not what Garcia is trying to do. But uh, yeah, I, I have to say that uh, this wasn't really um, a win for the Polish player that I was too excited about, just because it takes out a, a bit of that hype about the event and potentially for having Garcia in the forefront against Goff, which uh, again, like even if Garcia wins here playing awful tennis, she might be completely different tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, as you said, it's it's just never really uh, known to us what sort of Garcia we're going to get. It, it's just a drawback of her style, needless to say, which is why it's so weird that, for example, Ostapenko has been so consistent the past couple of the, the past like year or so with yeah. literally just one or two bad losses. But uh, Garcia also had patches like this, obviously, in 2022 in the second half. She also had no horrific losses like like this one which yeah you have to treat it at this level because she she plays so well against osaka she definitely has a draw that is made that that makes you think about the forefront already because she can play frank and then zakarova or yuvan but yeah she's never really a certainty that she's going to deliver and she didn't so um yeah the best win of frank's life anyway so of course it's really nice for her to get a career high and and yeah just start the season on a good note. I think she also won like one match in the first two and a half months last year, mm-hmm. or maybe up up until Indian Wells. So uh, it, it's also another chance for her to like keep going. She might be with one more win. She will be the Polish number two ahead of Ninette, 
which All right, also right. is quite wild to think about, right? But yeah, yeah that's where she is right now. Obviously, Lynette drops a lot of points after losing yeah. in the first round, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, moving on to Goff's potential quarterfinal opponent, we had had Admire defeating Corneva, the qualifier, fairly comfortably in the second round. She'll be against Timofeeva, who beat Wozniacki. And that, to be honest, that was one that surprised me. I was expecting Wozniacki to get through there. Maybe I'm just overrating her a little bit too much in, at this stage in the comeback. Um, but uh, to be honest, I thought that was one that, that she would be rolling through, Damien. So did you get to see the match? Did, what, did you see what went wrong? I fell asleep at 6-1-1. <laughs> so I didn't. No, actually, I was, I was very surprised to see that score um, because I think it was like maybe around the time Andreeva was finishing and I mm-hmm. didn't actually see Wozniacki up until the end. But yeah, I was also expecting a pretty big run for her. The first set she was... I, I mean, it was clear that Timofeeva has some arguments, like she was bothering her a little bit, but every time Wozniacki was in control of the points, she would actually come up with like I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, just display her style. I mean, outplay her in like 30 shots, finish it off with the, in, at the net with some good soft touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I enjoy. I was enjoying that performance. So yeah, I have no idea what happened later. Uh, but as for as for Kornieva, that was one that I was maybe similarly to Arnaldi I mean, or I was really disappointed with. And of course, for her, it's like more okay to have this performance at the age of 16. Uh, mm-hmm. It was also at, at the very beginning. Uh, it was like she won the second game. She tied it up at one game all, and she hits this ridiculous backhand down the line, and to to get to get the first point in the, in this game. And I'm like, okay, this is a match. Yes, this is a match. And then she won like two ga- two more games in the entire performance. She hit 36 unforced errors, I think, which is still less than Alicia Parks today. But Parks won their, won her match, and also Parks played 21 games, uh, or 20 22 even. Whereas uh, Kornieva played 15. So generally speaking, uh, if you're doing more than two unforced, if you're making more than two unforced errors a game, usually it's going to be pretty hard to win. Arnaldi was an example of that and uh, Alina Kornieva as well today. But uh, she still has you know, the whole event really to, to look at as a major positive. Obviously, she was close to going out in the qualifying even twice. Two match points saved against um, the Chinese player in the second round that I keep forgetting. And also Sakya Vikari in the first round, that was a tight one. And obviously to beat Sara Soribas-Tormo at this stage of her career uh, was pretty ridiculous, that the way she just powered through that matchup. So she's going to be fine with time. Is she at that same sort of you know generational level as Andreeva? That's kind, that kind of remains to be seen, but it's not out of the question. And uh, I do expect a big rise from her soon anyway. But today was, was a pretty disappointing showing, even if we cannot really be disappointed about something like that yeah. for a 16-year-old. But yeah. we can be disappointed about the match that looked like an absolute you know, gem on paper. Just turned out pretty piece yeah. poor. <laughs> it was a bit of a win-win, I think, for Corneva. It didn't really matter if she lost the match. She could have just, you know, she went out there and, you know, whatever. She had no shame in losing to a, a very physical player like Hadar admire for sure. Um, who I would expect to beat Timofeeva in the third round and probably beat whoever goes into the, the fourth round. Although, we'll look at those opponents now. Sakari on the verge of losing right now. She's down 6-4 and 5-3. Avanesian is going to serve for the match any moment now. If not, um, Sakari gets broken, of course. And the opponent in the third round, Marta Kostuk. Now, I need to find a little... In fact, I'm going to look it up right now, Damien, unless you know off the top of your head. How often mm-hmm. has Kostuk been in the third round of a slam? <laughs> 
Definitely her, her breakout run was the Australian Open Fairground, right? When she was just 15 in, uh, in mm -hmm. 2018, I think. Uh, she also definitely made the Wimbledon Fairground last year because that was when Badosa retired against her. But yeah. that's literally all I know. Like, probably there was something. Oh, didn't she play Iga in the forefront at Ron Garros? Uh, yeah, all of these all of these are correct. 2021, 2021. And that's I'm all I know. I'm not looking at it. She's had, she's had six appearances in a third round. Okay. And she's only progressed past the third round once. Um, and so that was the one against Iga, or was it the was it the third round back then? That was no, the one it was, the, it was the forefront of the French. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That I mean, this is this is the moment for her for sure. If Zachary somehow manages to find her way through, I, it's highly unlikely to be honest. I I think Zachary at the Slams has been a perpetual disappointment for for a little while now. She but really didn't you expect more? Didn't you expect more today? No, I I I think I've got her down as a loss. I'm pretty sure on last word. Um, I, I just didn't fancy. I think, it. Yeah, I think I read. I think I read that. You're right. I think you did. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I, I don't expect much from her at the Slams anymore. I, I do think she's still got a pretty good level in her, but every single time she's she's faced in one of these pressure situations, she she just doesn't deliver, and that's what we've come to expect. And it's a shame, you know. Sakari's got a great game when she's playing well, but she just doesn't when she's in a can't stand match. So. <laughs> It's, it's harsh, but it's true. I no, mean, that, was, that, was, that was just a nice sentence. I, I like the I like the phrasing and that. She's got a good game when she does, but she doesn't at the slam. She just doesn't. Exactly. She doesn't, you know. That, that's what we're here for, guys. That's the analysis. But yeah, I mean, this is such so disappointing. Like, this is right next to Garcia losing to Frank in the tier of horrific losses today. I don't yeah. think we've had one really on the men's side. Like, you can say that the, Arnaldi's performance against Deminor was awful, but we didn't really have a loss that was going to be like, no, just a massive head-scratcher. And maybe if Monarino lost to Munar from two sets to Lova, but obviously he didn't, he won the fifth. But yeah, we didn't have anything like this. Perhaps as a whole in this event, we haven't really seen anything like this, maybe other than Bublik against Nagal, but from Bublik, you also really expect it. But Sakari playing as well as she did at the United Cup, Winning a match finally at a slam for the first time since last since the last Australian Open, and yeah, losing to Alina Vanessian, who, with all due respect, like on clay, yes, I can buy her style being uncomfortable, but I, I, can I buy it at the Australian Open? Maybe yeah. right now because it's like e the evening session and it's a lot slower. I haven't been watching the match, maybe, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely like right next to Garcia losing to Frank, I think, to in losses today that were. Just incredibly disappointing for the players who were favourites to win it. Yeah, agreed. And whoever, of course, does come through will play Kostuk. If we had Kostuk and had Admaya in the fourth round, Damien, who would you pick to face Coco, potentially Coco, in the quarter? No bloody clue, but that would be a very underrated fourth round, I think. Uh, yeah. I'd love to see it. Uh, Kostuk is like, you know, basically for the past three years or so, she always feels like just on the verge of the breakthrough, just can't really get it. And yeah. Hadat Maya, of course, uh, her performances in all WTA Tour events have been so much better than at the Slams. Last year, this has finally started to change, of course. The Ron Garros semi was mm -hmm. a big deal. But I think before that Ron Garros semi, she actually never pushed past the second round at the Slam. Which really? Is such a, yeah, I think so. You, you might have to check. I mean, we might have to check that. But I'm pretty sure that was the case, that before Ron Garros last year, she never, she never went past the second round despite being a seed on a few occasions and etc so um yeah that was a pretty big deal for her and yes indeed and then of course Wimbledon forefront she made she made there made it there as well so this is finally changing for Hadat Maya 
That yeah. was, I think, 11 slums, yes, that she played main draw before, before the French Open last year, never getting past the second round. So uh, it's amazing for her that this is changing and then sort of maybe getting here, uh, getting deep here would also really solidify that. But yeah, I, I don't know really who would be a favorite between Costing and Helen Maya. I still have my reservations in regards to maybe like the, the peak level of the Brazilian and whether it's yep. actually there when she's playing someone, yeah, either redlining or like a, a top seed. But um, certainly um, I think she, she deserves another deep slam run just because in all other tour events, she's been excelling. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's a tough opponent. I know you're talking about peak, and um, maybe she's not got the biggest one, but she has got a pretty, you know, steady base yeah. level. I would say, like she always brings. I know we're just talking about those losses, but I, I've just went through quite a lot of them. They generally are, you know, involve one or two pretty close sets. You know, she's been quite unlucky for the results not to go the other way. She always comes out and and fights pretty hard. So even if cost you where to beat her i would fancy her chances of a pretty good year if she does get through against coco then i i don't know i i honestly think that she's got a bit of a chance again if coco's feeling yeah. a little nervy hada maya's got a high enough base level that it could be tricky for sure yeah she's, she's probably not the perfect matchup for coco i don't know if they ever yeah. played really but I would assume that this is actually one where Coco might struggle just because yeah, the, the player on the other side of the net is is very stable. You've got that one weak stroke of yours that probably mm -hmm. you you've handled handle it a little bit better, even when you have to play a little defensively. Here it's like you know, a bit of a bit of a chess match. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be that sure about Goff pushing through Hadatmaya, I suppose. Yeah. Agreed. I don't think they've played, just checking that now, but I don't think they've played, so. Go on, confirm for us, Damien. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't. They haven't played. Well, it'll be a juicy quarterfinal. And uh, with that said, I think we've pretty much recapped everything we could. Um, it was a good recap, Damien, as always. Got through quite a lot there. Um, do you know, of course, we're going to do a lot. I don't want to say for sure, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be one of these tomorrow, right? A last yeah. ball drops tomorrow. Yeah, everybody tune in for that as well, please. Um, same sort of time, of course, kind of midday in the UK for me, uh, roughly. Um, depends when it finishes in Rob Laver, of course. And yeah, Damien, hopefully see you on here again sometime soon. Um, anything else to say before we wrap up? Not really. Um, I don't know. Uh, we might also say like, I don't know, what's your favorite match tomorrow? Like, what are you most excited by? Maybe, maybe that's another question. Good point. Yeah, covered. just before we finish. Yeah, good call. Let me just see what we've got on. Uh, maybe give maybe us let's a say one on the let, let's just limit ourselves. Let's say one on the women's, one on the men's. What are your your picks? Yeah, I'm excited to see how Iga gets on in our semi final matchup against uh, <laughs> Daniel Collins. And um, there is there is a matchup deficiency there. You know, it's not it's there was something that Collins was able to exploit for the entirety of the match, and uh, her you know she used her backhand return to pretty much obliterate Iga's second serve, which hasn't improved a whole lot over the past few years um so we could see a pretty big scrap i still fancy Iga to get through for sure and um, loads has changed in their careers but i think it's going to be pretty tight i don't think it'll be that easy for Iga. what do you think yeah i mean i never really know what to expect from that matchup because you 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 seem to just think that okay so when they're playing in cincinnati this should be good for like, i remember and that yeah, yeah, yeah. Game, right yeah. so they're playing in doha they're playing for the first time since the australian open semis and you think okay so this is a tough matchup for iga 
and she wins. She only loses one game, but then she loses a set in Montreal, and especially Montreal and Cincinnati, I guess, are striking with like fairly similar conditions and literally that same patch where Iga was pretty poor last year. So, mm. yeah, I I just never really know what to what to expect from them. Uh, I know, of course, that the match that you mentioned, the Australian Open semis. Some of that was Collins's back in return, but also she was like every second serve from Iga would go to that corner. So yeah. uh, this is still one I of the that. weirdest tactical choices we've ever really seen. I think after that match, you know, Tomasz Wiklerowski could have been fired. Obviously, it's good that he wasn't. <laughs> maybe it was Iga, I don't know. Maybe it was her who just got onto the court and was too nervous to um, try to hit different spots. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't think she's going to do that again. But yeah, mm-hmm. certainly if, if Collins is just like absolutely picking, it's a tricky one. And I guess I understand why you picked it because like there's a bit of a lack of classics, I suppose, on the WT side tomorrow. Although Towson Azarenka probably would be my yeah. favorite at the end of the day. Yeah, it, dep- it depends how Towson plays. Um, I still, yeah. I'm still not convinced she's back yet. So we'll see. I mean, she, she's sort of back, I guess. And uh, I think actually my favorite on the men's. Wait, wait, I'll guess. I'll, I'll guess. I'll guess. I'll guess your favorite on the men's. Uh huh. I've got two, but I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're gonna guess. Yeah. I would. Well, I, I thought you were gonna go for uh, Tommy Paul and Jack Draper. Oh, yeah. really? No, actually, yeah. definitely not. No. No. I okay. uh, my two picks are Hurkacz-Mensik and. Oh, you're Kazan. going for Hurkacz-Mensik? Yeah, because Mensik will win. Yeah, I've got him down four for last word. I think I said five, but yeah, I I I also got him. Yeah, uh, um, what I mean, was the other side, Damon? Uh, the other one is Rune Kazo. I I just think Kazo has started the year so well, and like will at least pressure Rune. Eventually, I would probably expect Holger to maybe have a bit bit of a similar outcome as against Nishioka. So like it's mm-hmm. scrappy, but he's complete enough. He's gonna respond pretty well to all the net rushing and and the yeah. big first serve eventually. So so it's fine probably in the long run. But yeah, Hurkacz Menchik to me is like a real upset alarm, upset alarm, upset uh, bell or whatever. And uh, what I'm trying to say is that I think Menchik, of course, still has a lot of ways to go and like becoming a better match player, becoming a smarter player, using that weaponry and all the assets he has in mm-hmm. a in a better way more efficient way but if he's playing someone like Hurkacz I don't think it'll matter all that much because it's just like a big serving contest and why wouldn't he be okay with that like he's just going to be serving well Hurkacz as well and and uh yeah I don't think the lack of experience will really be shining through that much so to me yeah. it's like basically a 50 50 I I know that when I said Menchik in five I'm sort of optimistic like this is just a bit of a um like I I I I don't know if this is actually the likelier result. Probably not, but mm-hmm. it's fancy. You know, it's something that would be exciting. So that's why I'm I'm going for it. That's why I keep saying on the show that Menchik is going to beat Hurkacz. But who knows? Uh, of course, it's uh, it's very likely that they will just play four tie breaks and <laughs> whoever wins them wins the match as well. There was a Hurkacz Karlovic match at the Australian Open, I think. Five years ago, which was just four tie breaks, literally. Uh, I would be maybe a little surprised to see it again. I think there will still be enough play of the of the ground, uh, unlike in the Hurkacz Karlovic match, for this not to happen. But I'm definitely really excited for it. I think it's going to be very close, and uh, they kind of are pretty similar in many ways. It's just that Menchik can actually accelerate off his forehead and doesn't have to be like so careful picking his spots to attack. So, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, he'll be there for the taking, I think, our catch. Um, yeah, it's just a case of whether Menchik can deliver for the entirety of the match. I'm actually just doing a little um, rundown of the men's picks for tomorrow on Last Word, Damien, just to compare mm-hmm. and contrast our uh, winners. So far, there is not a single winner that we've disagreed on. I, th- yeah. I, think, I, think, I think we've picked the same winners the entire day. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not gonna like check that now, but I'm just looking at the schedule and like thinking, you know, where we could disagree. Paul Draper, yeah. I guess you also went Tommy based on like I physicality. Tommy, yeah, yeah. I chose Straff yeah. over Kitschmanovic. Oh, and I went Kitschmanovic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I also went Nagal over Shang. Oh yeah, I saw, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a little interesting to me. But I suppose you know we're just not sure that Jerry will deliver. Like I, I, I think I said there that I'm just going for him based on like the upside. I yeah. just want. I I just think he's the much better player in the future. I don't know if he's quite gonna show it yet, but yeah, it, it's not about matchup for Nagal. Like anytime you know that he's not gonna be, um, like the serve gap is not going to be exposed because the serve gap basically doesn't exist in this matchup, and you know Nagal is gonna be in the rallies. Why not? I mean, he he definitely has a shot, and I think maybe didn't we? No, you also went Zhang, right? I went Zhang. Yeah, went Zhang okay. over him. Though. That's a bit of a bold one, I guess, from both of us. But yeah, but I just thought inconsistencies over five sets. Ugo showed it so many times. It just you know he has so many ups and downs at these majors. So um, I fancied, and Jang's made so many improvements to his game. I think he's a little dark horsey. So he's got he's got a good chance. Um, yeah. yeah, there you go. Alcaraz in four as well, Damien. Yeah, I think everyone said Alcaraz in four in that one, and I just think that there's going to be enough like early. Uh, questions and you know Sonego can definitely produce for a set. I don't really yeah. know if I if I like his chances to win free though. But yeah, only a few matches really where we could differ. I think Nori Zapieri was also one where I was like really thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but um but I, I, I actually I actually went Nori in three in the end, Damien. I know you went Nori oh. in five. Yeah yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> that's that's kind I, of bold. I don't underrate Zepieri, but I, I just think maybe a little bit of a lack of experience in hardcourt majors. Maybe Cam just plays well enough that he can get under the skin of Zepieri and he just starts spraying. Um, yeah, it's Fancy possible. Uh, like, honestly, the, the more I think about it, the more I like a Zepieri win. But yeah, I was also like, mm, is he really going to deliver? Do I trust him? And I figured I don't. But yeah. the more I think about it, I just think he's going to come out, blast the forehand, and I don't really know what Cam will do about it. Like, yeah. I, I just don't really understand what Kamal will do about it if uh, Zapieri is playing just as well as he was in the qualities in the first round. But yeah, maybe it's like one of these matches where like the, um, the uh, how did they call it? Huge lungs of Kamnori yeah. get him through. And the fact that he cycles to Wimbledon, of course, to the Australian Open <laughs> probably doesn't cycle. That would be pretty rough unless he has like one of the stationary bikes and he just <laughs> did it on the on the ferry to Australia or whatever. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, still he has these huge lungs. Maybe they get him through in five. That, that's basically my explanation. Even if I said it a little differently, probably I didn't want to quote the Telegraph or whatever the yeah um, the <laughs> newspaper was. I think it gets cold. What is it? Does he get cold iron lung or something? I can't remember now. Something silly. Something with Yeah. 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 Pretty corny anyway. Um, right, Damien, we better wrap up there. Um, a few things to do. So thank you very much. That was a good fun. Uh, hopefully catch you for another one soon. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, we'll catch you very soon in Talking Tennis. Again, catch us tomorrow for uh, Last Ball Drops and for the rest of the fortnight. Cheers, everybody. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. 
and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.